Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Lovers Companion. My name is Edith and right here with me is my lovely co-host, The Chattering Teacup. Hello. Hello. And with us in our 40th episode is Emily Rotondi. Hello, Emily. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Your very first novel, and that's the reason why we are here, The Wedding Toaster, came out only this summer. Yes. Yeah. And we read it and it was a very pleasurable read. It was very enjoyable. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you for reading it. I appreciate the support. (laughs) (laughs) It was a wonderful read, actually. And I also read that the whole process of writing the book started rather early. Tell us about how it all began. What was your inspiration for this book? Everything. Yes, it was. It's been quite a journey. So I gave the toast at my best friend's wedding about 15 years ago, and the toast was very well received. And people are coming up to me and complimenting the toast. And one gentleman said, just sort of off the cuff, you know, you should do this for a living. And all of a sudden, like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, what a great idea. So I wrote the story probably about a year later. And it took about nine months to write it. It's funny, I've heard other authors say that it takes about nine months to birth a story. And I find that to be true. And isn't that funny? Because that's how long it takes a human <laughs> to be birthed. So they really are our babies. But um, the road to publication was long. So I would send it out, you know, in you know, I tried to go the traditional, you know, agent route and um, some would request, you know, reads of it. Some wouldn't. Um, Publishing is very difficult to break into. And I was a teacher also. I've I've since left my job teaching to concentrate on writing, but um, teaching, I loved it. It's wonderful, but it can be very time consuming. So I didn't have a lot of time to devote, you know, to my writing, but every year I would send it out. And um, finally, finally, in March 2020, just days into, you know, the world went into lockdown. You know, we were home remote now teaching and um, I had sent it out to Austin McCauley and they offered me a contract. So that was very exciting. So that was 13 years later. And again, then the production process started and that took about a year. And finally, here it is. So (laughs) I'm thrilled. So, but I never gave up on it. So, and I think that's important. But I want writers to know because it is hard and it can get discouraging, but there are any new writers out there or aspiring authors don't give up because you never know when when you'll get that you know person or company that's interested and just believe in it and other people will too you said a light pulp went on when the gentleman said you should do that for a living yes wedding toasting and now i'm of course wondering did you toast another wedding or was this a one time thing this the wedding was a one-time thing, but I did give a toast at a retirement party after the wedding, I think, for a dear colleague that was retiring. Okay. And my toast had the same effect there too. People loved it. And I guess I, I was not paid for these toasts. I just want people to <laughs> They were just things. But I I think I thought, what a unique idea for a story or for a job. I don't think it's something that I would do as a job, but it was fun creating that story through Maggie. And really, to me, the story is mostly about Maggie's transformation. You know, it's a fun read and it would be considered chiclet or a beach <laughs> read. But um, it, and that's its, you know, it's its intention. And I hope it just brings joy to people, especially in this time where that can be hard to find in the world. But to me, it's her transformation. There's a little bit of a deeper level there where she really kind of rediscovers herself and faces things within herself that she hadn't before. So it's a very special story to me. I love it. And I'm so happy you enjoyed it. So yes, me happy. So her story is the overall story arc, I think. And in between are these shorter stories about the different couples. Yeah. The way she discovers them because in, in the beginning she always thinks they don't fit together somehow. And yes, she discovers the, the, the yes, story. and she 
And like it, it illustrates how there is no definition, you know, people have their own unique love stories. And to me, one of the things I love about the story is sort of the connection she establishes with the Sarasota gang, you know, the, the people that I call them like the teenage senior citizens, like they're so fun, <laughs> but they really become important to her. And I think it's, you know, a real friendship develops. They can give her guy and, you know, she lost her dad. That was part Part of, you know, but she finds something there, you know, comfort and, you know, guidance. And I just love how it just kind of unites people, you know, age, you know, right, all those things don't matter, you know, so to me, I that that angle of it, I just love is the connection she establishes with them. And they're so much fun. Like, I want to yeah. go down and stay with them. <laughs> because they sound like a hoot yeah they do and i think they enjoy life to the fullest yeah yes yes and that's an important lesson too i think you know you can enjoy life to the fullest and i think you know the second part of my personal story is i've just made some big life changes i and it's funny i just wrote a blog post about this so It wasn't something I decided overnight, but something that happened throughout the year. I was starting to feel restless last year, I think, as a lot of people were with COVID. And I've loved my teaching career, but I'm not going to lie. Teaching during COVID was not easy or and it was not fun. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> And I just, you know, I forgot how much I loved writing and doing other things. And it was a part of myself that I had kind of ignored for a while and my love of travel. And I just decided I was like, maybe just I sold my house. So I recently moved from Massachusetts to New Hampshire. I love nature. So I'm right around a lake in the mountains. And I've I've summered up here ever since I was a child. We have a family home and I'm lucky. So I have a place to stay while I'm working on my writing. And I sold my house. So I have, you know, income that I can, mm -hmm. you know, depend on while I try to work on more because I have ideas for more stories and I've started and I just decided life's too short. You know, we have mm -hmm. to do what we love, what we love. Yeah. So it's a very exciting time for me. So, yeah. but it still takes courage to take the plunge. Yeah, it can be, it can be scary to step into the unknown for sure. And again, I was very lucky. I had certain elements in place, again, selling my home and having a place to stay in, you know, for a while, you know, I'm very mm. lucky. Mm. I'm also wondering about the characters and Maggie's impressions in your book, because the first three couples that all started her career as a wedding toaster. Yeah. They are not only interesting and funny, but she tends to make the same mistake again and again because she tends mm -hmm. to judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Only piece by piece she discovers the real relationship or what attracts them to each other and what keeps them together. Yes, absolutely. And it, it's funny. One of the things I love about the writing process is creating the characters. And it sounds funny to say, but it's absolutely true. And I've heard other authors say this too. In fact, someone on Twitter just tweeted this the other day and it resonated so deeply. At some point, the characters do start to write the story themselves. Like they surprise you. Like there were so many, like I didn't really know, like I kind of just went with it, like went with the, like I did not have everything outlined or planned out, you know, what was, and that's the magic of the journey. Even Dolly was not supposed to be a main character like she was just supposed to have been mentioned as you know uncle whore's past love and here she came like I remember writing that and I was like I had no idea that was gonna happen like it surprised me but it fits so well like yeah. the opportunity just presented itself and I think for Maggie it's funny I have to go back because it sounds funny I've read it so many times but for me it was always from the point of view was like editing it and what do I need to change like more from a technical point of view I need to go back and read it just to read it and I love talking to other people about it because they pick up on things that I didn't honestly but that are absolutely true and that are there and I love hearing and seeing you know what other people see in the story but yes and I think it's Maggie having this wall up 
and why she so judges people, but then she realizes it's like those little breakthroughs she has along the way. And it changes her mm-hmm. in some ways. Yes. She discovers the life of the different couples and rediscovers something for herself and changes yes. because of that. Yes. Like one of the passages that I love that I remember, and I think is one of my best writing scenes is when she's in um, Jackson Hole and she she just has her her incident with Daisy and she runs back to the barn and she like is grieving for Jack. Like she never let herself do that before. Mm -hmm. And she got to the point where she she was grieving that. And I think that was a big breakthrough for her. That was a very um, poignant scene for me. Another scene I love is when she's in Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole, Wyoming is a very special place to me. It's a place I've visited and loved. And um, I just, while I was writing the story, so I incorporated a lot of that into it. But when uh, Bruce Walker gives her the cowboy boots, it's like her badge of honor, you know, like, and he was such a silly, funny guy, but it's this real moment of solemnity and honor. I really like that moment too, a lot. And, and all the characters, except for one of the later ones, which we won't mention because we would give it away otherwise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we don't want to do that because people should read your book. Yeah. <laughs> They are all actually quite likable. I mean, no one is malicious or no one is a kind of person which you wouldn't like to talk to. Yeah, but yeah. The, yeah, they all turn out to be really human. Yeah. With all the different yes. Um, levels. Yes, different, you know, loca- and that's what I love about it too. It's a very uniting book to me in a sense. And again, not something I really focused on when I was writing it, but just sort of, you know, developed while I did. And um, especially now, I feel like that's something we could all use. Yeah. So <laughs> I hope it brings people joy. Yeah, I think so too. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Tika, but... I think that in her in her views when she goes to these different locations, she reminds me a little bit of what we would probably think as Europeans. Because her first impression, oh yeah, now nah, well I'm going to a trailer park, oh dear God. And now I'm going to the wild, wild west, oh dear God. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think we, most of us are guilty of that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's, you know, we know what we know, but it makes the discovery of something mm-hmm. so yeah. much sweeter too, you know, and we're all just humans. Yeah. So It's we do that naturally, but yeah, absolutely. And then you discover that you love something. Oh yeah, it's part of the journey. It's all great. You just need to take <laughs> the time to get to know uh, the people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you said your writing process, which interests me as well, because you said you're not the absolute planner. You're the pantser. And yeah. how came the characters to you, especially, for example, the ones in the retirement facility, for example, because they are very quirky and they are funny, like you said. They were, you know, and it, it's because I I think of this, too, because I wrote the book so many years, the story so many years ago that I forget I think I a lot of them, I think, are based on my own family. So. <laughs> And again, like um, Uncle Whore, particularly, I just love Uncle Whore, such an, <laughs> you know, endearing, eclectic character. And it wasn't until after I wrote it that I realized I had based him on a dear uncle of mine. And I said, after I wrote, I said, I think, you know, this is Uncle Arthur in a lot of ways, because not that he was exactly the same, but had some sort of the same personalities. Yeah. And my uncle passed away in March. So just a few months before it was um, released. So I think it was a nice tribute to him. Mm -hmm. But um, I was able, after my uncle passed away, I changed the dedication. So I had first dedicated it to all my students, just because they always believed in me and kind of egged me on every year I would share not the book isn't for students, but I would share the story and that I wrote a book and you know, I wanted to get published and they just their share enthusiasm in me in me just moved me. But when my uncle died, I changed it to the PALS, which is an acronym, which stands for Paul, Arthur, Larry, Stephen, and Paul is my father. And then Arthur, Larry, and Stephen are his brothers. 
And I think together they all encapsulate sort of the personality and fun of the Sarasota gang. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so going back, I think subconsciously a lot of things come into your while you write, but you don't realize it till after. Jackson Hole, again, is a very special place to me. I wanted to incorporate that. And in the trailer park, I honestly don't know how I came up with that. I can't remember. I think, and this is going to sound, I mean this as a total compliment. I'm very enamored with sort of like a redneck culture. And I don't mean that as an insult. I just have always loved how how they embrace life and how much fun they have. And they just, I listen to country music and I don't mean redneck as an insult. I mean it as a culture and it's one I really kind of enjoy. Like, and I think from the trailer park point of view is maybe why I incorporated that piece. You said you listen to country music, so do I, from time to time. And let's be honest, after last year, we all know who's the hero. Dolly Parton, isn't she? I mean. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, and I definitely think that's how I got Do the name Dolly. Like, I picked her, <laughs> Dolly Parton. I mean, I think that comes into it. I also think with the relationship with Maggie and the Sarasota gang, gang, there is a movie, which was a book first called In Her Shoes, and it's by the author Jennifer for Weiner. I have to admit, I've not read the book, but I saw the movie. And in it, Cameron Diaz is the actress and she goes down to live with her grandmother in this retirement home. And she becomes like a personal shopper for them. Like she sort of, and again, it wasn't on purpose, but I think I enjoyed that angle mm -hmm. of the movie. It's something that really touched me that I just, again, subconsciously kind of adopted that you know, angle into my writing, because I just enjoyed seeing the relationship between the younger generation and the older generation. Mm -hmm. And um, the same thing with the location for Napa Valley in San Francisco. There's another movie called The Wedding Planner, which I really enjoyed, Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey. And that was set in that area. And again, while I was writing, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to do this because, but I think it made an mm -hmm. impact on me. So subconsciously, I just kind of picked that and added it in. So it's very interesting how the process works. A lot of subconscious decisions go on that you don't really think of at first. It's fascinating. And as you said, you wrote the book a long time ago. Did you go back and made changes over the time or so the same? My first change, this is very interesting. I did not make a lot of changes. And I find that now as a writer, I find that like I go on my instinct, like, and I feel like from a story perspective, whatever my first instinct is, is like the correct one or the best one. Now I will go back. I'm a stickler for editing. I'm a, I was a language arts teacher. So that's <laughs> <laughs> what I do. You do need a second pair of eyes, no matter how many times you read your own. But at first, when I was coming up with the idea, I was going to have Maggie be the one who was left at the altar. And when this is before I even started writing it, and I was bouncing the idea off of a friend, and this is the friend whose wedding I had toast, by the way. <laughs> And she said, and she's like, why don't you have Maggie be the one who leaves? She's like, it's, it's more empowering. And I was like, you know what, you're absolutely right. So and I think it would have changed the whole flavor of the story. You know, if I had had Maggie be the one who left, it would have been like she was kind of, you know, maybe a little like, you know, heartbroken, mm -hmm. It wouldn't have had the impact where Maggie now is this, and you're not supposed to like Maggie in the beginning. I mean, she did something sort of unlikable, you're sort of like, but it is her journey, her transformation. You know, she is self-absorbed. I wouldn't say I didn't like her, actually. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I think it's, oh, it's I'm glad. better that she left him at the altar than she would have stayed and they maybe have gotten divorced. Two years later. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm so happy to hear you say that because when I sent it out initially to publishers, and it's funny, the publishing world changes and evolves. That was one of the criticisms I got from agents was like, we think, but they only read like, again, like agents only read like the first 10 pages. Mm. And that's what's because I don't get the full 
you know, and I understand why. I mean, that's their job. They're so busy. They have so many to read. But um, that was one of the the feedback I got was, well, we don't think Maggie's that likable. So I'm so happy to hear that you said you liked her from the beginning. So I love Maggie. I think she's she's she great. has her flaws. Don't get me yes, wrong. But like we all do. Yeah. Exactly. But it's not as if she is completely unlikable. I mean, to some degree, I do understand why she left. She got completely nerfed out and oh god i can't imagine <laughs> and she has this uh, cynical trait and maybe in the back of her mind she thinks it won't be the same or her wedding or her marriage won't be the same as her uh, parents right exactly and maybe she was afraid that she couldn't uh, live up to this ideal and that's yeah. also a reason why she left so no she's not unlikable in the beginning Oh, I'm so hey, thank you. I'm so happy you said that because she she's flawed. She's human. Yeah, she's yeah. a little self-absorbed, but she's who isn't? And she's supposed <laughs> yes, to be. And, 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 I mean, <laughs> she's fairly young. She's in her twenties. Yes. I mean, yes. why not? And like you said, but she learns a lot. She learns a lot from the people she meets mm -hmm. for her life, not about relationship only. Also yeah. about herself and how she looks at life. Yes. And that's yeah. interesting, to be honest. And I'm also wondering, you shared a little bit about the trials and tribulations to get published. And what, in your experience, was the biggest hindering block to get the book out and get it published? Probably, again, I think probably the persistence to keep going. You know, I I, I believed in my stories like a hundred percent, and I know it, it. It's a unique concept. You know, you never heard of a wedding toaster before, so it it was just that you know keep going. And sometimes, and I always judge it by years. Like you know, I would go through years where I would go through spurts and send it out, and I would get you know, promising, you know, in the beginning, but then sort sort of sorry, it's not for us. And it's it is so disheartening every time that happens, you know, and so I'm so thankful for Austin Macaulay, you know, taking it on. And I knew that they had read the entire manuscript because they commented on all the parts mm -hmm. of the story when they read it. So I was grateful because again, the They, you don't get the whole feel without, you know, or the point of it without reading it through. And um, I'm very grateful. So Austin McCauley there, and they are very upfront. Their target is to help new writers. Like you don't need to have an agent for them to take you because agent getting an agent's half the battle. I'm talking like the high tiers of publishing, you know, that's half the battle. And then you get a publisher after an agent and they, so they, they focus on new writers. Now, that being said, you know, you're not going to get the 100%, you know, attention or focus, you know, and they have been very helpful, you know, they've reached out with, you know, marketing and, and publicity for me, but it is limited. And that's okay. It's a stepping stone, right? Like I'm in the door, like I'm in the door. And I'm very grateful to them for giving me this opportunity You know, with my other stories, you know, I may try again, you know, I reached one step, I may try to go to the next one, and then the next one, but I am very grateful. And it, and it's a service that's needed in publishing, you know, because it is very hard. And there are a lot of great writers out there who just can't get their foot in the door. And that's what Austin McCauley does for them. So for us, I should say. Just about the story. Is there Something like a wedding toast and reality, and how important is the toast at weddings? So that's an interesting question. I don't know that there's a, a wedding. I've never Googled it or looked it up <laughs> to tell you the truth. You know, part of it too, and for the story, I think it's kind of fun, but I do think in order to make a a, a of, you know, a toast, you have to know the people. And for that, I've always said as a writer, my biggest power is my power of observing. Like you need to observe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going to stay with strangers for a week. And the, I mean, that's, a, <laughs> I mean, it was fun for the story, you know, and that's where our minds can sort of allow for that sort of thing. But in real life, it might be harder to do. It'll be interesting though, if people start to, or someone thinks about doing this for a living. But I do think a toast is important because it's sort of, again, like a, a, it's a tribute to the unique, you know, 
individual it doesn't even have to be a wedding like I gave one at a Mm -hmm. retirement party like and to be able to really speak and that's another thing like I speak my toast like I make notes about beforehand and sort of rehearse what I want to say but I don't read my toasts. I speak it and I think it's every person's moment you know who's about to undertake a big step in their life or have completed one to sort of have that acknowledgement and that that honor and that that privilege. So I've always said, and Maggie says, and this is me. First of all, I'm nothing like Maggie. People always ask me that. <laughs> Maggie's much cooler than I am, first of all. <laughs> but and I never didn't show up to a wedding. So <laughs> but um she does say, you know, I believe in the power of words. And I, I as a writer, I do as well. I think, you know, they're very important important. So I do think it's there it's important to honor or mark someone's occasion if you can do that really authentically. My best friend who I toasted, I had lived we were roommates at the time. We lived in a apartment or flat together. So I really got to observe her with her well now it's her husband, but you know with her partner at the time and I saw the little moments you know, that no one else could see, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. I could, you know, reflect on and talk about. In fact, the first toast that Maggie gives is very, at her best friend's wedding, is very much based on the toast I gave. Again, I can't, again, I didn't write it down. So I don't know if it was word for word, but the same ideas are in it. So uh, maybe there should be divorce toasters these days. Not as a cynical in me. So, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because wedding wedding toasters are not a thing here in Austria. What is a thing is people who speak at funerals. Well, that's yes. The, I mean, and what a I mean, and that's the eulogy, right? That yeah. is like I've and Maggie's job is the obituary yeah. writer, which is funny because she always she says, I take it seriously, like they deserve their last toast too. But yes, that I mean, those, yes, absolutely. I'm also meant to ask you, what about a role model as a writer? Do you have one? Yes. So, and I have to say it's funny because you do learn to write by reading. I firmly believe that you learn the pace, you know, you learn everything. I have not considered myself a huge reader lately. I think there was a time when I was. I also think the power of observation is very important. And I just love to go sit in coffee shops and watch people, you know, and maybe eavesdrop here or there. I just get ideas for, but I didn't read for a long time. And I think just life got in the way. I've started to read again since I'm not teaching anymore. I mean, I would read what my students were reading, but not for me. But anyway, my favorite author is Jodi Picoult. She has written, I think, to date like 25 books. Now, they're not the genre of the wedding toaster. They're much more like serious topics. Like she wrote about her two sisters and one giving an organ transplant. She's written about a school shooting. She's written about, you know, the issues of taking people off life support, you know, so she, she says she starts with a what if issue and then, you know, builds mm-hmm. a whole story, but her, her writing is just beautiful. And that's what I've always, her stories are very intriguing. She's a stickler for research. Like I'm not nearly at the level she is, but her writing is in the stories are, you know, even if I'm like, oh, this isn't really a topic I'm interested in. She makes it interesting Mm -hmm. through her writing. She's my favorite. And since you mentioned Chorus and at the beginning you said your your book, The Wedding Toaster, is what one might call chiclet. Yes. And I'm wondering because I'm not so fond of pigeonholing people and let's say books or films of that's uh, literature for women and that's films for women. And we had this one. Uh, do you remember that teacup when a woman was reordering uh, ah. the, uh, DVDs and Blu-rays at a... In, in, in a store, often there are these shelves, films or books for women. Yeah. And someone... Um, Changed yeah, the she films rearranged to them. films she would buy, and I think, oh. and took a picture and put it on social yes. media. So it was and completely different, but yes, it was really yes. fun because they were, like you said, uh, what you might call chick films or mm-hmm. uh, chick flicks. 
as we call them. And yeah. she exchanged them with, I don't know, action movies and, uh, oh, I don't know, so sci-fi. And I think, yeah. yes, thank you for that. Because they're always usually, um, they expect women to like uh, romantic comedies and love stories. Yes. And so on, but they do, but women also like action films and yes. uh, science fiction, whatever. It's a yeah. personal taste. Yeah, exactly. I ag- I agree with you a hundred percent. In fact, I love action films too. And and you're you're absolutely right. I think in um in publishing and writing, you know, they have genres so people can pick. Like, oh, like I'm not a fan of sci-fi. If this book is sci-fi. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying me personally, but just as an example, I I know not to read that one. But you're right. So I think the wedding toaster, because it's about weddings, and the protagonist mm-hmm. is a woman, and it's a sad commentary on our society. Because you're, I feel like the wedding toaster is much deeper than mm-hmm. that. I don't think it's a book just based on the title that yep. you know men would grab. But like, I mean, granted, it was like my brother and my father and family members who sort of have an obligation to read it you know but they you know said like I'm or you know um, some of my uncles like they would say like I'm surprised how much I liked it I wasn't expecting to so you're absolutely right it is unfortunately kind of like a a misleading and you know can pigeonhole you know and close people off again just based on first impressions to a great story but the publishing world insists that it goes into a genre so that's its home (laughs) but you're right it's you know it's interesting. It also makes it very difficult because a lot of books don't fit completely into one genre. Yes. They cover aspects of more than one. Yes, I agree. And since you were a teacher for a very long time, have you thought about writing young adult fiction as well? Is it in the future? It's it's funny. I have not as of yet, and that doesn't mean I'm close to the idea, but I just haven't been struck with that sort of inspiration yet. I do have a second manuscript finished. And this one, again, is vastly different from The Wedding Toaster. Um, it would be more... Tell us, ab- tell us about tell it. Tell you about it. So it's a it's a coming of age story and it's about two best friends, you know, growing up. And it's told between past and present. It flashes mm-hmm. back. Um, I really like that style when I read it. So I was excited to incorporate it in. And just sort of the 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 turn their lives take. And one of the characters struggles with mental illness or depression. Again, not not me. I always feel, I don't know if other authors, I always have to feel because I get the question, is this you? No, it's just a character I created. It's not me. (laughs) But um, struggles with depression and actually struggles with the idea of taking her own life. But, you know, her upbringing and, you know, what she's gone through is not what we expect. She comes from a wonderful family, had a great, you know, life growing up and watches sort of some traumas that people around her go through. And although she hasn't gone through something like that, she's the one who's sort of experiencing these feelings. And I think it's very important, you know, again, you know, people misjudge often, you know, people who have addictions or, you know, mental illness, or it's not always what we think. And it's funny, I just rediscovered that because I wrote this one years ago too on my computer a few months ago, and I had forgotten I had written it. And I was like, how could I forget I <laughs> I wrote the story and I stayed up the whole night and it was so powerful. Like that's when I was like, I need to do this. Like I can't be like looking at other people's writing all the time. I need to develop my own. So that is one that is in the editing stages right now. So vastly different from the wedding toaster, but you know, I'm hoping it proves my range as a writer. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. also not a writer who just writes one type of story. And then my third one I'm working on is one called The Steps, which is about a group of six strangers who come together to work the steps of AA together. And again, like they all have different backgrounds and what led them to their addictions. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not what we think and really just the humanness of life and of people and what they go through. And this one is told, each chapter is told from the perspective of a different character. So much deeper stories. But then my next one, I'm getting all these ideas. It's going to be about a teacher who uh, her, her job on summer vacation is delivering mail 
to the islands on the lake where she is by jet ski, just because I think that would be so fun. <laughs> and she solves some kind of mystery, you know, like ah. that. So that would be very much more in like the wedding toaster, right? A much more fun light. But with a criminal twist. Yes, with a criminal twist. And it will be, you know, like very much, you know, lighthearted, like the wedding toaster and just quirky, fun mm-hmm. characters. But yeah, that's my range. Like, yeah, but I think what they have in common is somewhat the human condition. What yes. makes us do something and um, how we look at other people and how it changes us. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you just said only now that you can't always look at other people, right? Other people's writing. And I'm also wondering, Do you get, I don't know, tempted to emulate the writing style of other people? So I think this is a hard one to answer. Again, I think subconsciously our influences can mm-hmm. influence our writing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. again, like I I think I picked elements from that story and her shoes and the wedding. I, and I wasn't doing it purposely, but I just, but it, again, it's a compliment to those forms too, because they affected me, you know, in a positive way. I think it's something we have to be careful, like writers have to be careful of. And I often have had that thought, you know, even now as I'm, you know, have more time to read more, like, you know, be careful, always, you know, make sure you're you. But I think it's natural to have influences from others sort of influence your work. But as long as the story is uniquely yours, and your words are uniquely yours, It's all good. I think we just, we all share from one another unknowingly, I think. <laughs> Is that how? It's the same with uh, talking to people. If you use an expression quite often and someone yes. else hears you saying it quite often, they will pick it up. It's not consciously, yes. it's just because this expression you hear it often. I think if you read an author, quite a lot of them, and they have a special way of expressing themselves, maybe somehow, subconsciously, you will pick up something. Yes, yes. Like I think going back to Jodi Picoult, again, our subject matter about what we write about is very different. But just the way she writes, it's so poignant. And I think sometimes like she'll finish a, a, a sentence or a paragraph with like one sentence or one word that's so powerful. And I, I think I do love to do that. Like I always say from the wedding toaster, to me, the most powerful line is one power. It's one line, one sentence, but it's one paragraph long. That's in the prologue when she says, but I did it anyway. <laughs> to me, that's like so powerful. Like just that one sentence and that one paragraph is all you needed. Uh, just remember that the toasts Maggie gives, they all end the same way with the sentence. It's the same sentence. Oh, yes. Well, with cheers. Do you mean when she says cheers or I wish you love and happiness? Yeah. And for- yeah. And I think I incorporated that just as that's typically how toasts in the US, they end them. So I think it's just a way to wrap it up. But I do find now, like if I'm, you know, like autographing a book, not that I'm autographing thousands or but a few people, you know, family members, I'll sign it cheers. Or if I do a social media post, I'll sign it cheers, you know, and the the champagne glasses and a purple heart have sort of become the like emoji because it's similar to the cover. So it's become sort of my signature. It's interesting. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about the narration style, because for this uh, book, The Wedding Toaster, you used first person. Yes. Will you stay with that? Do you find it suits you? Or does it or did it only suit in this particular novel? Or do you think it's what worked here best and for the other books you return or you might try a third person or a mixture? I love that question. What a great question. You hit on so many juicy things. <laughs> so um, so yes, the wedding to I think you you find what feels right. Like the wedding toaster, definitely first part. Like it, it was fun to be Maggie and it was sort of her journey. And sometimes you have to get into their head and, you know, sort of go through it with them. And it just felt right. My second manuscript about the two best friends is told from third person. And that felt more natural. I think maybe also because it's a, sort of a bit of a heavier topic that maybe me mm-hmm. as the narrator wanted a little bit of, of distance to it. But also I think with my second one, I think my, my goal 
is to illustrate how this could be a universal story for so many people, where Maggie's was her individual transformation. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then for my third one, and I'm excited about this, the steps, it's first person, but from many different narrators. And I just love that style. I used to read a book with my students told in that style. I mean, it was a book for young adults, but I loved it. And I love that play with perspective too. So yes, I do love to play around with the different narration styles. I do like first person, I think the most. Did you not find it difficult because a lot of authors find it intimidating because you are not omniscient as a first-person narrator? Yeah, and so and that's another thing too. You're right. You're not. You're not omniscient. I I didn't find it again because the Loving Toaster is Maggie's transformation. So I guess the focus is always on her. But yes, like in my second novel, there are so many characters with with other you know things going on that you do get to be omniscient and have. And I love to see that too. You know what the other characters are doing, and I'm really excited to play around with the first person of the multiple characters because that you can sort of get both you know the different perspectives so and how difficult was it for you to write all these different characters in the first person you know it's funny it wasn't that difficult even though you know I was writing for the voices of you know old elderly gentlemen and cowboys and all the things I just sort of really had fun with it like it was just kind of a lot of fun I didn't find it again maybe because they were my creation so that gives you some I mean you want it to sound and be authentic but that gave me some freedom in how I you know could could do that but no I that's actually what I one of the things I love the most is creating the different characters and having fun with that and you also said sometimes characters develop a life of their own how often does it happen to you that a character looks over your shoulder and tells you, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> so all the time, it's really, they, they. it sounds crazy. And the first, going back to Jodie Picoult, she said this in an interview, and it's so true, the characters start to write it themselves. I can't remember, I mean, it may have happened, I just can't recall a time when they, when the character said, no, don't do that. But there were many times when they just went off and wrote what they wanted on their own. And I just, it was almost like, I was just like, kind of like the vessel, like doing it. Um, again, Dolly is a big um, example of that. Um, I'm trying to think. There were other instances in the story too, where it happened many times. Like I would just sit back and say like, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. It will be interesting, you know, with my next projects, if, you know, I go back and write something and then decide not to. So yeah, it is quite a journey. It's fascinating. It really is. We've touched upon that already. But again, you said planning is not the thing. Going with the flow is the thing. And you experience or did you experience something like you were hit with an idea while you were writing? Suddenly, it never occurred to you before. I suppose, since you don't plan it, because if you plan it, you only, some people plan it so exactly that the only thing they have to do is just write the story. But if, if you don't, you just come up with the most interesting ideas just like that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I think, again, Dolly was the biggest example of that, I think. I'm trying to think of other examples from the wedding toaster when that happened. No, I think you just you you just kind of go with the flow. Um, oh, I think also again, I don't want to give too much away, but in the wedding toaster, I mean, it's on the back cover that she meets Jack again. So that's not a surprise. But there's a moment there where it could have gone either way, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. And it did surprise me the way it went. I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> But I think it was the correct way. Like, I, I think it shows her growth still in her. Yeah, it is. The whole process is fascinating. I'm trying to remember my second manuscript. I also wrote years ago. So it's hard to go back and remember. I haven't been in the writing. I've started working on my third here and there. It's been crazy because I've been in the middle of a move and 
not trying. I am trying to also regularly add to my website, like blog entries, but it's so great to just get back into the flow of it. And, um, and I am trying to make writing a, you know, a practice I do every day. Cause I know I wrote before yeah. I, and I still agree with like, you have to write when you're inspired, but I also, I don't want to say I didn't have the time. I didn't make the time before. Cause mm-hmm. my days were filled with so many other things, but now I, I can, you know, make it, you know, filled with writing to some extent. And it's important to discipline yourself and to establish a routine. So it yeah. is something that I, you know, am focused focusing on doing some every day. So it'll be interesting then. I also like, so my way of dealing with writer's block is, well, I'm not just, I'm not going to write right now. So I always say I don't get writer's block, but it's not really a hundred percent accurate. I think I do, but then I just don't engage in the process, but that's something I need to overcome too. Like I do need to write something. So I think I will find, I might go back and change things more than I have in the past. Cause I'm I'm going to force myself to write even if I'm not inspired just to get into the routine and the habit. So it's very interesting. That if you're in the routine of sitting down every day to write something, then maybe it helps you to not get writer's block or to overcome it because you're used to it. Yes, because I definitely took the avoidance route. <laughs> full, <laughs> full disclosure, that's not the best either. I could say, oh, no, I don't get writer's block. No, I just didn't write what I had. <laughs> <laughs> it is a thing so yeah and you do have to learn to overcome it so and feedback from your readers how much did you get so I've been really happy so far so just to give you an idea I really have no idea about numbers or sales like they I don't you know, I'll get a royalty check in the winter probably. And that's when I'll know. And again, my publisher, Austin McCauley is very, you know, they say, and I understand like we can't, there are so many different venues. We can't like track it. I kind of prefer it that way. because it's not a distraction. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I write because I love to write. Like, I don't want to be concerned with how the book's doing. I know it did sell out on Amazon a few times, but Amazon could have had 10 copies or two like I have no idea, but I can still say it's sold out on Amazon. Yeah. So I've been very happy. Um, you know, I have no notions of being on the New York Times bestseller or anything like that. And that's okay. I love my story. And if it brings people joy reading it and they're, you know, happy with it, I've gotten some good reviews. It's hard to get reviews. It's, it's some, I also, it, I like to fly under the radar. I'm not comfortable promoting or marketing. It's just not my level of comfort. I but I do want to sell my book. <laughs> so I do have to do it a little bit. And that's something I'm getting used to, too, and in, in the process. But yeah, I'm just enjoying the ride, so to speak. So but I'm really hoping with my second novel, like within the writing world, it can prove my range as a writer, mm-hmm. because it's so vastly different, but I feel very powerful. And you said you're not very comfortable with it, but you You do need to do something, don't you? I mean, yes. the, the publisher probably told you, so get yes. on social media and expect yes. it. So, like, I have an Instagram page. I have two, like, I have a private Instagram account and a public. So my public is where I'll, you know, try to promote and get, you know, I, I look at it as my workspace. Like, well, I wrote a book and I want people to read it. So this is where we're going to promote that. And if family and friends want to follow me, that's great. But I feel like on Facebook or on my private account, I don't want to, like, I just Mm -hmm. come from the point of view, like, if you want to read it, that's great. And I appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy it. But if you don't, that's cool, too. Like, I don't want anyone to feel like, and I think sometimes people can feel that if they know, and I don't want anyone to feel obligated, you know? So I have my work Instagram. I also use Twitter a little bit where I promote. And then I have my website, of course. And podcast so thank you so much for having me it means so much and I've done two other podcasts too so I really like podcasts because again I love the conversation and the connection and uh it, it makes it possible to talk to different people I mean look at us you are in the United States we are here in yeah. Europe in Vienna and we can connect via Zoom and talk to each other and learn about you as a writer learn yeah. about your books your future projects 
Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Thank it's my preferred form of promotion. <laughs> and it's a two-way street, you know, because I will certainly promote. I also I love to promote for other people. So I just don't like to promote for myself, <laughs> but I love to promote for other people. So um I think it's yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. So and I will definitely promote this episode. Yeah, yeah. great, yeah. wonderful. And I also have to ask you, since you've told us already a little bit, but still, what would be your advice for any other aspiring author? So my biggest is just don't give up. Again, it took me 14 years. Like if you love, take, you know, advice and feedback, you know, from other people. But if you believe in your story, don't give up. But it is also important, I think, to be humble. I mean, I think just in life, it's a, that's a good... <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't be humble, be grateful and thankful for, you know, any opportunity or experience that you get. But don't like think that your book is going to be the number one on the New York Times bestseller list, because that's not, you know, realistic, not saying it can't happen, or you might not get there, but you do have to have realistic expectations and just enjoy the journey, because it really is a journey, but really don't give up if you believe in your writing you know, don't give up on it, no matter how, I mean, it took me 14 years, don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> and is there anything else you would like to share with our audience about your future projects, about anything at all? Yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm finally, I've made some big life changes recently. And I'm really, I'm really enjoying the space that I'm in. And I look forward to bringing more great stories to readers. And um, if anyone wants to, you know, follow me, they can follow me on Instagram at Emily Rotundi. That's where I post about things and the author, the, my author's journey and my new setting that I live in, which is beautiful because I'm on a lake and surrounded by mountains so yeah, i just sounds, love it <laughs> sounds nice actually it looks very green yeah yeah it's beautiful i really was craving nature so oh, sorry your family name i have to ask because we were wondering about it it sounds a bit italian it is italian yep rotundi yep very good you got it right up yes so <laughs> Um, my dad's side, the family's Italian and my mom's side, my mom. So I wanted to tell you, Edith, my grandmother's name who passed years ago's name is Edith. So that was a nice little synchronicity. Oh, okay. And I told my mom that this morning and that, that was her mom. So that made her feel. Oh, so we, yes. We love that. But the, her maiden name is Eaton. So very English, very. So. Yeah, because I think, <laughs> I think Edith is an English name. It's an yeah, old, it's an old so. English name. So give my best to your mom. I will. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else you would like to share? No, I don't think so. I'm just, I'm so grateful for this opportunity and I've loved connecting with you ladies. Thank you. And we are grateful that you accepted to talk yes, to us. And I will definitely tune in. I'm going to put you on my, my <laughs> channel now that I'm kind of settled and I have all my new tech things. It's been, I'm so grateful I was able to move, but it was a process. Mm. So. And I had yeah. a lot of difficulty selling my house. And that was the key because without that, I, I couldn't have made this change, but it finally went through last week. So <laughs> it works out. Yeah, it does. Everything does have a way of working. Fantastic. Out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's because of the pandemic, you might have sold it earlier, probably. Yes, yes. And just as houses do one issue after the other that had to be taken care of. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's very true. Well, teacup, go and buy the book. Go and buy the book. Yes. Actually, yes, for our dear readers, it's The Wedding Toaster by Emily Rotondi. And it's absolute pleasure to read. And you won't uh, regret it. No, thank you. Thank you, Emily, for joining us. It was thank a pleasure. Thank you so much, Edith and Teacup. I've loved chatting with you. Great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. And we'll meet again at Book Lovers Companion.